Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. Today, we are in week three of a series called Unstuck. Unstuck. And the big idea of this series is that the best way to get unstuck is to get on mission. That's the whole idea of this series. So if you, at any time of your life, or maybe right now or during the pandemic, at some point, if you've been stuck in any area of your life, I'm telling you, the best way to get unstuck is to get on the mission that God has for your life. And in this series, we're talking about some very practical ways of how you can actually get on that mission. And so last week, we talked all about serving. And I just want to give a massive shout out to the 32 people who started Grow Track last week. I am so stinking proud of you. That's awesome. It's great. That's awesome. And so that's what we talked about last week is serving, how serving can actually get you unstuck when you stop looking just at your life and the things that make you stuck and start serving other people. And this week, if you're taking notes, we're going to be talking all about reaching, about reaching. I'm telling you, if you are stuck spiritually, like right now, if, you, if your relationship with God is stagnant, it's not going anywhere, if you're stuck spiritually, there is no better way to get unstuck than reaching someone who is far from God. In other words, in sharing your faith or sharing Jesus with somebody. I'm telling you, it's like rocket fuel for your relationship with God. And another word for reaching is this good, solid Christianese, you only hear it in church word, known as evangelism. And just by show of hands, how many of you have ever heard of the word evangelism? Just by show of hands. That's good, okay? So you've heard of this word evangelism. Now, I don't know what you picture in your mind when you think of that word evangelism, because I think we may have different pictures. Maybe for some of you, you picture like preachers, like Billy Graham, like preaching to a packed out stadium. And that's what you think of when you think of the word evangelism. Maybe you think of televangelists that are on late night Christian TV. And that's what you think of whenever you think of, of evangelism. Like that, that, that right there is evangelism. So you're telling me to do that? Uh, maybe that's what you picture. Maybe. I think, I think this is what I pictured a lot growing up is I pictured kind of bullhorn guy of just where, you know, it's like some person who is kind of like has this really like angry persona and a, just kind of yelling at people all the time in some public place that I promise you that that person was not invited to. And they're just like screaming, encouraging things like the end is near or like this guy. Uh, it's like the end is nigh. Like he went old English on everybody. Like the end, the end is nigh or, or other encouraging things like, Hey, you're a bunch of sinners and you're going to hell. Or even the best one is turn or burn. I don't know if you've ever heard of that one. And just some guy on a bullhorn, maybe at a ball game and just yelling. Maybe that's what you picture. Maybe you picture cold call sales, where it's like you just go door to door, 
Like that for me is the most uncomfortable thing ever. Just thinking about that being evangelism, just having super awkward conversations and just kind of leading every conversation with, hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. Do you know where you would spend eternity if you were to die today? Um, It's a great way to start a relationship. Um, By the way, that was my very first mission trip ever. We did this. Um, and, and I can just tell you right now, this was not the response. Uh, this is like, like just somebody that was so open and smiling and just open door full and just, Hey, tell me all about this man named Jesus that you're talking about. No, it was more like this. Like this was the response of most people just like, I don't know about you. What are you doing at my house? I didn't invite you to my house. What are you doing here? But here's the truth. None of that. So bullhorns cold call sales, preaching to packed stadiums, televangelists on TV, that like none of that is what evangelism means. See, evangelism, it just simply means sharing good news. That's what evangelism is. It's sharing good news. And by the way, the gospel the message of Jesus, the fact that God loved you and I so much that he sent his one and only son to die on a cross to pay for our sins just for a chance that we could have relationship with him. That message, the gospel, it's called good news. And just by the way, let's just make this very clear. The gospel is always good news. It's never bad news. And so literally, this message of good news, sharing good news, sharing the gospel, that is evangelism. And the Bible is very clear that if you are a Christian, that you have a mission to share that good news, to reach people with that good news. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is what it says in verse 17 through 20. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. That's what we want people to experience. All this is not from you reading your Bible and going to church and doing all the right things. All this is from God. He's the only one that can do that, who reconciled us. And that word, it literally means to bring the balance to zero, that your debt has been canceled. That's what God does. He cancels your debt. He takes your balance to zero to himself through Christ, through what Jesus did on the cross. He takes your balance and he makes it to zero. That's what he does. But not only that, then he goes a step further and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting sins against him. Remember that balance is to zero. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation, which means that if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, that he has given you the mission of sharing this good news with people of how they can get their balance to zero. That once you've experienced your debt being wiped out, now you have a job. Now you have a mission. And that's to help other people have their debt get to zero as well. And then he goes on to say that we are therefore Christ ambassadors. We represent him everywhere we go. That's what that means. We are Christ ambassadors as though God was making his appeal to people that don't know him through us. Through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, 
be reconciled to God. Now, here's what I've learned. That right there, those verses, it's really easy to amen. Because you're like, yes, let's do that. It's really easy to amen. It's really hard to live sometimes. It's really hard to live at work. It's really hard to live that whenever you're around the family that don't know Jesus. It's really hard to live that around that group of friends. Because sometimes reaching people, sharing your faith, sharing the good news of Jesus, like, some, like it can feel often so scary and so intimidating and so just out of my comfort zone. But my goal today is very simple, is to show you that it's easier than you think, that you can do it. And that not only that, it's one of the greatest experiences that you can ever have following Jesus. I'm telling you, there's nothing like knowing that you played a part of somebody going to heaven. So for the rest of our time, I'm going to try as quickly and as practically and as easily as I can tell you how to do that. Like, how can you practically reach people? Because I think a lot of times we make it what it's not. And so I want to help you for tomorrow. And so I want to give you four things. And this is how you can actually reach people. And here's the first, the number one thing is... First, we got to accept the personal responsibility. Number one, accept the personal responsibility. That there's a responsibility that we have to accept. Now, if you do a little deep dive study of the spiritual stats of the city that we all call home, of the 2.1 million people in the greater Cincinnati area, in the northern Kentucky area, 33% of people are far from God. In other words, one out of three. But if you do a deep dive study and you start looking at different demographics, you'll see that 52%, so over half of people 40 years and younger are far from God. And here's why that matters so much. Why those numbers? Because I think it's so easy to hear things like that and just let it just bounce off our heart. But those are not just numbers. Those are people like real people that we see, that we get stuck in traffic with, that are gonna be at the, the grocery store this week with you, that are gonna be at the, at the coffee shop that you regularly attend. Like, like those are real people. And here's why it matters so much, because heaven and hell are realities. Like they're real places that people are really going to go to. And it really, really matters. And here's God's heart towards every single person in our city. I just want you to know, here's God's heart in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, because it's very clear that the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. And it's talking about when he's going to come back. It says, no, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. And that word just simply means I want them to change their mind and change their direction and come to me. And his heart is very clear. He wants every single person to do that. But my question is, if that's his heart, what's his plan for that to happen? And here's what you need to know. His plan is me and you. His plan for that to actually happen is his church, that God has called his church, me and you, to carry the message of Jesus into the world. And in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus makes this very clear. It's the great commission. It's where we get the mission of our church, where he says, therefore, go 
and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Not only that, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And here's what we have to understand about that verse, is that if you are a Christian, that verse applies to you. I think it's so easy to be like, no, 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 that doesn't apply to me, that applies to somebody else. That applies to, to, to the people that are in church leadership. No, that applies to somebody else across the room. If, if you're on the floor, it's somebody in the balcony. If you're in the balcony, it's somebody on the floor. But no, what we have to realize is that that, it applies to us. Like it applies to me. It's personal. It's a mission that God has given me and he's given you. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 13 through 15, it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's a promise. That's what we want. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never even heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone like you tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? And that's what I'm hoping to do today. I'm hoping to fire you up, to inspire you, and to send you out of here full of faith, to be on mission, to reach people, and to share your faith, and to make a difference every single place that you go. But I'm telling you, everything starts with you saying, no, it's not somebody else's responsibility. It's my responsibility. I am taking personal, I'm accepting personal responsibility. And here's number two. Here's number two. Develop a personal relationship. Develop a personal relationship. The next step is not to tell everybody everything that you know. The next step is not to tell people how they can change their life or all the ways that they're doing things wrong. It's not to get in a debate. No, before you say anything, you need to develop a personal relationship. And let me tell you why it is so important that before you do anything, you need to have a personal relationship with somebody. Is because people, you can write this down, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's why it is so important to be able, because people need to know how much. In fact, I don't think people even hear you until you have a relationship. Because your words will never carry any weight until you have some relational equity with that person. And sadly, I think we all know that we live in a culture that often the message is that if you're not with me, you're against me. That if you don't think how I think, believe how I believe, act how I act, vote how I vote, vax how I vax, then we can't even have a relationship. That, 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 that if we think different, if, we, if we, all these things are different, then we can't even be in relationship at all. And even worse than that is when the message turns into, no, not only can we not have relationship, now you're my enemy. And I'm telling you, that is a lie straight from the pit of hell that brings so much hurt and so much division and so much pain into so many people's lives. And I'm just challenging you that if you are a Christian, especially if you call this church home, don't be like that. Please don't do that because you will never be able to share Jesus with your enemies. 
So don't have any. Because you're not, you're not going to be able to share Jesus with somebody that you view as an enemy. So don't have any. Jesus is so clear. You don't do that. You love your enemies. So just don't have any. I love how John Maxwell puts this. He says, you don't have to be like them to reach them. You just have to like them to reach them. I love that. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, 19 through 23, this, 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 these verses from the message paraphrase are so powerful. Listen to what it says. It says, even though I'm free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and to all. Why? In order to reach a wide range of people, religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized. I love this. Whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world. In other words, I developed a personal relationship and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempts to lead those I meet into a God-saving life. I did all this because of the message, the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I didn't just want to talk about it. I wanted to be in on it. So you want to reach people? Accept the personal responsibility. Number two, develop a personal relationship. And then number three, share my personal story. In other words, just simply tell people what God has done in your life. And the Bible uses a very specific term for this. All throughout the Bible, especially the New Testament, you will see this phrase, being a witness. And in the, the, the old school church that I grew up in, they made a verb out of it, witnessing. So what are you doing today? I'm just going to go witnessing, uh, just doing that. So they made it a verb. It's being a witness. And we see this in Acts 1.8, where Jesus is right before he ascends into heaven. He gives this mission to you and I. He says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be, here's the word, my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Now, here's my best definition of a witness. A witness is someone who has seen and heard something and communicates their experience accurately. That's a witness. And that's what Jesus says for you and I to be, is to be a witness. Somebody who has seen and heard something and communicates their experience accurately. We hear this in, in culture too. Like think about a courtroom. When you are a witness in court, the judge is not interested in your ideas or opinions. The judge only wants to hear what you have personally seen and heard. So get this. To reach people. You don't have to know everything. You don't have to be an expert in the Bible. You don't have to know theology up and down. You don't have to be able to explain the book of Revelation. Like You don't have to be able to know all the answers. You don't have to have the answer to every single hard question. You just have to be a witness. You just have to share what you've personally seen and heard. You just have to tell your story. And in John chapter nine, we see Jesus 
And he goes and he heals this guy who was born blind. So imagine if you were born blind and all your life experience was blindness. And then you meet this guy named Jesus and all of a sudden you have an encounter with him and he experiences a miracle. And then all of a sudden this guy who couldn't see can now see. And so he's fired up, but there's a whole bunch of offended religious people because he did it a certain way on a certain day. So instead of them celebrating this life change in this guy that was in their city, like all the kind of the, the, the legalist Larry and the religious Ricky and all their pals, they kind of grill this guy and they put him on trial and all for the sake of they're trying to get him to say that Jesus did something wrong. And they put all this pressure on this guy who was born blind that had this experience. And I think his response is brilliant. He says this in John 9, 25. He says, I don't know whether he is a sinner. I don't know that. And by the way, that should give you permission to say, I don't know. It's okay. Somebody asks you a hard question. I don't know. It's good. It's good for your soul to know that you can say, I don't know. You don't have to know all the answers. I'd much rather you say, I don't know than a wrong one. So I don't know. I don't know. Listen to what he says. I don't know whether he's a sinner. The man replied, but I do know this. I was blind, but now I see. And it's such a great example for you and I that we don't have to have everything figured out. We don't have to have all the answers to every question. We don't have to be able to explain everything. We just have to say, you know what? I don't know, but here's what I do know. I was blind, but now I see. I was dead, but now I'm alive. I had no joy, but now I have joy. I was hopeless, but now I have so much hope. I don't have any peace, but now I had so much peace. I'm telling you, my life has been changed. And here's what I've learned. Here's what I've learned, church. Here's why it's so important to just share your story. Be a witness, because nobody can argue with a changed life. Nobody. Just I, 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 I dare somebody to try to argue with that. It's like, my life has been changed. No, it hasn't. It's like, no, you can't say that. Like, it's a, <laughs> nobody, like, they, it is the ultimate trump card. My life has been changed because nobody can argue with a changed life. So how do you reach people? Number one, accept the personal responsibility. Two, develop a personal relationship. You gotta be in relationship. Number three, just share your story. You don't have to be a biblical expert. Just share your story. And then number four, Give a personal invitation. Give a personal invitation. See, at some point, you gotta give people the chance. When you say, hey, this is what God's done in my life. And then give people a personal invitation. Do you wanna experience that too? To be like the woman in John chapter four, after a life-changing experience with Jesus, when she says this in verse 29, when she just invites the people in her life, come and see. Come and see a man who has told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? She didn't even have it all figured out, but she just said, come and see, because my life has changed. She gave a personal invitation, and practically, one of the best ways that you can do this and the easiest ways is to invite people to church. And I talk about this a lot in step one of the growth track. So if you've never done that, I encourage you to jump in there um, whenever you can. But I talk about that there's seven words that can forever change somebody's life. Will you come with me to church? Just imagine how one invitation, one question, seven words that if you said, then God could take that invitation 
and completely change somebody's life. And I just wanna encourage you, especially if you call this church home, maybe not every week, but there should be some weeks where you have somebody sitting beside you that you know is far from God. And I promise you, if you do, that we're gonna do everything within our power to make sure everything is excellent and ready and that we're not gonna talk over people's heads and we're gonna, that we actually design everything that we do for that person. But also I guarantee you that if, that if you have somebody that is sitting beside you, that is far from, I promise you on that day, you'll care more about everything. You'll care about everything. You'll care that the, that the, that the dream team is on point, start to finish. You'll want like the bubbly greeter that is there that just makes everybody feel like a million bucks whenever they're there and they get the big smile and you're like, hey, welcome to church. We're so glad that you're here. You're like, oh, that's my greeter. I'm so glad. Then you'll come in and, and you'll like, oh, I hope the coffee is hot and that it's good coffee. That it doesn't matter if people doctor it up or if they drink it black. Like this is gonna be good coffee. Our church does coffee. <laughs> and then you'll come in to the auditorium and you'll try to get a really good seat and you'll sit down and you'll care about the worship set. Like you'll want, you'll want them to do your song. You know, your song with that bridge. You know, that's, that's my song. If, if they did that song, I know that they would love the church. I know that they would. And then when it got to the message, you'd be praying, oh dear God, please, 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 please don't let it be about giving, please. <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> you'll care about everything. But you also know if you've been hanging out around here that, and we're about to do it in just a moment. We're gonna get to the end of the message and somebody like my friend Hunter is gonna get up and she's gonna lay down some moody keys feel to make it feel good. And, and then there's always, every week, every service, no matter what the topic, we're gonna give people an opportunity to make a very personal decision to give their life to Jesus for the first time or all over again. And I'm just telling you, if you have somebody that's sitting beside you, that you invested in, that you invited, that you brought, and they're far from God, I give you permission, you cannot make it obvious to peek. Just don't make it obvious, but you can peek. Here's why. Because when you know you've invested in somebody, and we get to that part and when you see tears well up in their eyes and the truth of the gospel hits their heart and you see their hands shoot up to receive Jesus, say yes to grace, say yes to forgiveness and to his love. See on that day, on that day, I promise you, it'll be your favorite day in Queen City Church. And if you're stuck spiritually and you experience that, I guarantee you it'll, that'll get you unstuck. Because on that day, you captured the heart of God. Because when God sees the world, he doesn't see Christians and non-Christians. He doesn't see people who go to church and people who don't go to church. You wanna know what God sees when he looks at the world? He sees his kids. He sees his sons and his daughters and some are lost and some are found. That's what God sees. 
And if you've ever lost something of value to you, you know that that's all you think about. It's like what is found when something of value to you is lost, it doesn't matter. Like you don't think about that anymore. It's like we get distracted by that which is lost. And I think that God made us that way because he's wired that way. When he sees, it's like he gets distracted by that which is lost. And I really understood this during our church planting process, which was about four years start to finish. And during that time, I traveled a lot and I went and preached on a lot of different churches. And one time when I was traveling, uh, something happened with my wife, Heather, and our two boys, Jordan and Caleb, at the church that we were going to at the time. It was an amazing church in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where we served when, when God called us to plant a church. And uh, it was a big church, really big church. And so they, they, they had, so big, they had like one of those play places. They called it Bubba Land. You know, it's like a kid's dream for church. It's like, that's awesome. And so I was out of town. And so Heather went to church and, and she kind of dangled this play place area, bubble land to the boys. Like, Hey, if you're good in church, we'll go to bubble land afterwards. And they executed their part of the game plan brilliantly. And so afterwards they went into bubble land and they were playing and having a good time. And all of a sudden, uh, my oldest son, Jordan, something happened where he needed some very specific attention. And so my wife had to kind of give him some very specific attention. And our youngest son, Caleb at the time was two. And after she got done with Jordan, looked up and Caleb was nowhere. Couldn't find him. So she, she didn't panic. She looked around the tubes and trying to see if she could find Caleb anywhere. Couldn't find him anywhere. Started to get really nervous. I can't find my son. So she pulled out her phone and pulled up his picture and went around asking people, have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? Have you seen my son? And looking back, we even got so frustrated with the people that seemed to not care about our lost son. And it was like, oh, whatever, I don't know. I don't know where he's at. So big church has great security team. So we contacted the security team and they kind of shut down the campus and they kind of, they all, all hands on deck. Let's try to find this boy. And about 15 to 20 minutes later, and if you're a parent in the room, you know that that might as well be four hours. Found him on the other side of the whole campus in the parking lot that my wife parked the car in. And so after she found Caleb, first thing she did was pick up the phone and call me. And have you ever gotten a phone call where you know something was wrong instantly? And I could barely even make out the words that she was saying. She just kept saying over and over again, I lost Caleb, 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 I lost Caleb. Over and over again. And I remember asking her like, is, is everything okay? Did you find him? Is he okay? I lost Caleb, I lost Caleb, I lost Caleb. So emotional. I remember the Holy Spirit of God speaking to me right there in that moment. God said, that's how I feel about my lost kids too. That's how I feel. That when one of my sons, one of my daughters are lost. And so God, I pray that you would give us your heart for people who are lost, for people who are far from you, people who don't know you, for people that don't have a relationship with you. God, I ask that you help us. Help us to care. 
Will you give us eyes to see? Like help us see people. And I ask that right now, would you convict us of the personal responsibility that you've given us to reach people? And would you open up doors for us to develop relationships with people? And will you open up doors for us to share our personal story and to give personal invitations? God, I ask that you help us reach people to be a witness, to share the good news of Jesus. And with every eye closed and head bowed, we do this every week, but I want you to right now, will you just ask God, will you ask him right where you're at? God, what are you saying to me today? What are you speaking directly to me? Maybe ask him this, what does my response need to be to this message? And maybe there's a relationship that you need to start. Maybe God needs to give you courage to share your story with somebody. Or maybe even while I was talking, God put somebody specifically on your heart that maybe you need to share your story with or develop a relationship with or invite to church. But maybe you're here and before you ever share Jesus, you need to receive Jesus. Maybe you're at church and you're lost and you're far from God. Right now, you don't have a relationship with him at all and you need to know that God loves you so much that he wants to be in relationship with you and he's, he's done everything he could to take care of your sin and shame and guilt so you don't have to deal with it anymore. And, and he paid that price just so that you can just, but you have to say yes. He'll never force himself on you. And that today you can have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, to receive his love and his grace and his forgiveness. We're not gonna point you out. We're not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward, nothing like that. We just wanna give you that opportunity right now to make that decision in a very personal moment. And with every eye closed and head bowed, if that's what you know that you need to do, you need to make that decision, that you need to get right with God or you need a fresh start or you need to start or to restart a relationship with him. In just a moment, I wanna lead you in a simple prayer. And if you wanna be included in that prayer on the count of three, I want you to put your hand up in the air and say, include me in that prayer. As a sign of faith, to boldly put your hand up and say, I need Jesus today. And if you're here and that's you on the count of three, I want you to boldly put your hand up in the air. One, two, three, if that's you, just put it up. I got you, I got you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I got you. It's awesome, it's awesome, it's awesome. Just, you can put your hands down. Just pray something like this in your heart. Just say, Jesus, I love you. I need you. I'm sorry that I've lived my life without you. I repent. I change my mind. I change my direction. And will you come right now and live inside me? Will you change me? Will you make me brand new? I surrender my whole life to you. I give you my life, everything. I give you everything. And Jesus, today I receive your grace. I receive your forgiveness. I receive your love. And today, I choose to follow you. And it's through the mighty, powerful, awesome name of Jesus that we pray. And everybody said a big amen. Come on, church. Can you clap your hands and celebrate? Come on, with those that made that decision. That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. 
If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at queencitypeople.com.